in the great outdoors, we're thinking about it. Kender Outdoors, come on into the camp house and make yourself at home. Welcome to the camp house at Kinder Outdoors. I'm Billy Kinder, your host, and hey, it is opening day of rifle season. The general deer season opens today in the state of Texas. It's a big deal, and I'm glad you're here with us. No matter where you're listening, your opener has either recently occurred or soon will. And it's all about white-tailed deer on the show today. One of our pros here at Kinder Outdoors, Larry Wysoon, well, his nickname is Mr. Whitetail. We're going to lean on him heavily today. Front door to the camp house brought to you by Calming Care from the trusted name Purina. It very simply and gently and over time works naturally to settle the overactive dog, the overbarker, the overjumper. If that's your dog, learn more about Calming Care at KinderOutdoors.com. Hey, our home base is brand new, but it's an old friend overlooking beautiful Grapevine Lake, Texas. Hunting opportunities right down the road, just a couple of miles that a lot of people don't even know about. And, hey, I can step right out the front door and go catch sand bass, black bass, crappie. A tremendous fishery. You'd think you're in the middle of nowhere, right in the middle of Dallas-Fort Worth and just blocks away from the Christmas capital of Texas. You're going to be hearing all about the vineyards, campground, and cabins, but let's get to work. Deer season kicking off for a lot of folks. That means rut and pre-rut, and that means a good time to break out the rattling horns. My old friend Ray Sasser, well, he's gone now, but he was exceptional with a set of rattling horns. I asked him to give us a lesson one time. Well, it works some places, you know, yeah. and, 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 and the truth is it doesn't work everywhere. And and it doesn't work where you've got way too many does and not nearly enough bucks because what's, you know, the, there's more more does than they can get to anyway. Why would yeah. they fight over them? Uh, Bill, I think, the, I think probably the American Indians probably were the, were the first people to uh, actually make a, a deer fight sound and get a deer to come to them. But the guy who popularized it was Bob Ramsey. And Bob Ramsey used to be, a, for a while, he was a Parks and Wildlife uh, biologist. And then he, then he married into a ranching family, I think, and, and uh, to become a, became a rancher. And when the, when the, um, when the Wild Ranch uh, uh, started seriously commercially hunting in the 50s, they brought a bunch of uh, writers in from all the different magazines to show them what the country looked like and they needed somebody to entertain them and there was nobody better than Bob Ramsey because he told Bob always told a great story anyway and so he he brought they brought all these guys in and Bob took them out and rattled up all these deer for them and they went back and wrote all the stories about them and that's where deer rattling all over the country became popular and then everybody tried it and couldn't do it because they didn't have the right ratio or they weren't trying it at the right time and they didn't um, uh, everybody kind of gets off of it before it really works for them. Well, let's talk about your technique and how you go about it a little bit. Does does this A only work during the rut? Well, it's, it, it, it actually works better just pre-rut, it just just before the rut. And maybe at the, at the tail end of the rut when uh, when the bucks are still looking, but there aren't any does. Okay. Because uh, they'll, come, they'll come to a fight that time of the year. Uh, my technique is kind of like Bob Ramsey. I talked to Bob about this one time, and he said, he said, he said, you got to get a sneer on your face 
and uh, make your left hand try to overpower your right hand, and 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 I kind of I've always taken him at that, and a lot of people, you know, they're trying to be subtle about it and start real slow, and the whole, my my idea is let's make a bunch of noise, you know, if if I can hear. It's like it's the same theory I have about fishing. Let's throw it out there a bunch of times and cover a lot of ground, and maybe we'll find an aggressive one. Right. You know, right. it's that way about rattling. Now, I've got these particular rattling horns, which are the best I've ever had, from a guy who had a bunch of shed horns. He had a big pile of shed horns. I just went through. These aren't from the same deer. You can tell yeah, they're right. both right antlered horns. Yeah. And by using two right antlered horns, I can keep from hurting myself too right. bad when I'm clashing them together. Right. And then I. Went through the shed pile and I found I found this one that was broken up here where I can, where I can make a kind of interesting noise with it. Right. Right. And so you just uh, uh, the best thing to do is of course set up where you can see downwind because most of the time if a deer comes to a fight he's gonna he's gonna try to circle and get the wind on you. Yeah. He can usually tell who's fighting you know and if it's somebody he doesn't want to deal with he just goes on right. Right. you know so you so you just get where you can see pretty good. Deer. And you can't, you know, you can't make too much noise. You can't when when two 150-pound wild deer try to kill each other, it's a brutal thing. Yeah, you know they're not tiptoeing around trying to be quiet about it. There's, it's 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 a fearsome thing to see. Uh, it really is. And and a lot of times I, in a lot of times I'll even mouth call. In fact, every time I've gotten to where I mouth call all the time, and I just make a. Bleh, bleh. A distress kind of call. Mix it with a. That's somebody getting hurt. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Let me ask you one more question about your rattling, Ray. You rattle and sit. How long before you move? Because I know you like to rattle and move. I don't know. It just depends on. It depends on the day and the time and the place and and where I'm sitting. I don't. I'm not that patient about it. Yeah. You know, if, if they're going to come, they're going to come. Now the biggest deer. You know, the biggest deer I've ever rattled that was in South Texas, and it was. I was through with the rattling sequence, and we were. I was just packing up to move, and I looked over, and this guy just kind of walked out of the brush and stared at us for about 30 seconds before we figured out we weren't really a deer fight. This corner of the camp house brought to you by Fortiflora from Purina Veterinary Diets, number one, say our veterinarians, as far as a canine probiotic goes. Keep it handy. Keep it in the fridge if you own a dog. Hi, I'm Mike Checkett with Ducks Unlimited. And when I'm not in the great outdoors, I'm thinking about it with Kinder Outdoors. Winter at the lake is a wonderful thing. The still, quiet solace of the woods and water at Grapevine Lake offer the perfect opportunity to slow the season down a bit. Tucked away behind a secure gated entry and snuggled on the still shore of Grapevine Lake is the national award-winning Vineyards Campground and Cabins. Full hookups, lightning-fast Wi-Fi, and cable TV at every campsite and cabin keep you connected, even when you're getting away. The Vineyards sites and fully furnished cabins are the perfect place to kick off the new year and enjoy the great outdoors. Our unique location makes you feel far away from the hustle and bustle when you're just a few blocks from historic downtown Grapevine the Christmas capital of Texas, offering shops, restaurants, and all the sights and sounds of the season. Cozy cabins, spacious pull-through sites, and a camp store on site to provide whatever you need. Always keeping your health and safety a priority. Come enjoy nature's original way to social distance. Come see us this winter. The Vineyards Campground and Cabins. VineyardsCampground.com We smell like fish. 
And that's a good thing. The smelly elf is right. Hey, have you entered our Fishing You a Merry Christmas contest at Kinder Outdoors yet? We'll announce a winner just in time for Santa's big ride. But now is the time to get your name in the creel for that big drawing. You and two guests at Cut the Camp Sea Five Nights and catching sailfish marlin in Mahi with the Camp Sea Sport Fishing Fleet in the Caribbean. Sure beats the North Pole. Enter now at KinderOutdoors.com. Get off the beach and into the action. Enjoy world-class Costa Rican sport fishing with Carib Sea Sport Fishing, marlin, sailfish, roosterfish, and more. Inshore, offshore, overnight, sea mounts. Carib Sea Sport Fishing will work with your group to customize the perfect trip. Half day, full day, every day. Your next getaway is the best ever. Take a look at catchafishincostarica.com. Catchafishincostarica.com. Ag Texas, the name itself says trust, honesty, strength, and tradition. Ag Texas has from the get-go been dedicated to the prosperity of agriculture and rural America. The Ag Texas family can help grow your herd or your operation. Give us a call and talk to Ag Texas pros about risk management in the form of crop insurance, protecting borrowed capital and savings. We specialize in everything from dairy cows to pecan trees and have the right financial tools and knowledge at Ag Texas to help you grow and grow safely. We can't tell you when it's going to rain again, but we can assure that your crop, your cows, your family, and the family land are secure and protected no matter the storm or the dry spell. We are agriculture at Ag Texas, and we look forward to visiting with you. Ag Texas is at agtexas.com and just down the road. Hey, crappie anglers, crappie season is here. Wally Marshall, Mr. Crappie here to tell you about all of the new crappie products for 2022. Check out the all-new Wally Marshall Classic Signature Rods by Lou's. The Wally Marshall Classic Series starts at 5 foot 6 and all the way up to 16 foot in length. IM8 graphite construction, cork handles, stainless steel guides, super light for all-day use, and the perfect trolling and casting rods on the market today. Now for you live scopers out there, the Wally Marshall Pro Target Rods are designed with IM8 graphite blanks, stainless steel guides, and wind grip handles. No slip with a grip when you're trying to boat flip a three-pounder. Pro Target Rods are the best for live scope, trolling, and perfect for wade fishing and heavy cover. All new Mr. Crappie Colors and Crappie Thunder, Slabalicious, Jokers, and Shad Pose. Tennessee Mist, White, Houdat, and Don't Miss the School Bus. All crappie anglers should keep the Mr. Crappie Slabomatic Electric Filet Knife handy too. StrikeKing.com, Lose.com, and SmithsProducts.com. Did you ever notice that Jesus selected fishermen to follow him? Just saying. Welcome to our boat at Kinder Outdoors. Welcome back to the Vineyards Campground and Cabins, our home base here on beautiful Grapevine Lake, Texas, uh, and our home base for the next while. We're going to spend a little time here and let you know all about this incredible RV park with cabins right on the lake. Beautiful Grapevine Lake, Texas. Smack dab in the middle of Dallas-Fort Worth, but you would never guess that. Uh, from your RV spot or cabin or the boat ramp. Hey, if you're a deer hunter, then you're probably interested in what they have to say at the 
NDA, the National Deer Association. I had a conversation with Kip Adams, the Chief Conservation Officer at the NDA. Actually, it's a, it's a brand new organization that, that it combines the efforts of a couple of longstanding organizations, Billy. Uh, QDMA, or the Quality Deer Management Association, that's been around since 1988. I've been with QDMA for over 18 years, and we actually merged with the National Deer Alliance uh, this past fall. And uh, what it allowed us to do is continue all the great work that, that QDMA has done um, and combine it with the strengths, particularly the advocacy strengths that come over from the, the alliance side and, uh, and make us uh, an even leaner and, uh, and stronger organization for, for deer hunters and deer managers. So uh, for those of that see our logo and think, man, I think I recognize that, that that's because it's the exact same logo that QDMA's had uh, for over 30 years. But uh, combined strengths are better for hunters out there. Yeah, very good. And and how do you use that strength? I, I heard you say that you represent me in front of our legislators. I like that. Your advocacy. Absolutely. And uh we have uh we fight for, for deer hunters' behalf to make sure that we have healthy populations of deer that, that we can hunt, uh, that we have the ability to, to go afield and hunt those. Uh we're a science based organization, so uh we specialize in, in education. So we can teach people about deer and deer biology and you know, deer movement patterns. Uh how to enhance habitat for deer. So uh, ultimately, we just want to ensure you know a future of, of wild deer and our wildlife habitat and hunting. So uh, we're hunters, and uh, we want to make sure that uh, the hunters are first and foremost out there with regard to, to help and manage our, our whitetail populations. Uh, the name is the National Deer Association, not the National Whitetail Association. So I'm guessing you guys do research and habitat help and uh, stuff for the mule deer and the coos deer and, and for all of the above. That's right. And uh, and that was a big change, you know, when we merged with the, the alliance, you know, at going from just whitetails to incorporating mule deer and those other subspecies. And and we uh, we recognize that there's certainly other groups out there that work directly with mule deer. However, uh, we can help a bunch from the legislative side and the advocacy side uh, for, for, for mule deer, uh, black tails, you know, cows deer, uh, key deer, uh, et cetera. So it, uh, we've expanded our focus. Uh, you know, we're still at the, at the core, you know, a white tail organization. We spend a bunch of our time on that, but we have expanded the work that we do to help those other species as well. Because, uh, you know, if you're a deer hunter, particularly if you're in the, the Midwest or the western part of the country, you know, you, you may spend a bunch of time hunting mule deer as well. And uh, those need deer and those hunters uh, need to be spoken for, too. So uh, I, I'm pretty excited that we've expanded that focus to include them. Hey, let's talk a little bit about the uh, National Deer Association Deer Report for, for 2021. Uh, this is really exciting news uh, when it comes to uh, how we harvest our deer, what we what we harvest out in the field because we're doing a better job of letting our bucks get a little older now as hunters nationwide. We're more educated, Kip, and, and your results in your, in your study uh, res- reflect that. Absolutely. You know, we have been monitoring the age structure of, of the buck harvest for a long time, and it is amazing how differently it is today from a decade or, or more ago. Uh, more hunters today pass younger bucks than ever before, and, you know, historically there was places like South Texas, where you could see older bucks, but, man, if you weren't from that part of the world, uh, there wasn't a lot of hunters that got the opportunity to, to see or, or chase older bucks. And uh, that's very different today. We're, we're harvesting more uh, mature bucks today than, than ever before, and uh, hunters are really reaping the benefits of some pretty cool deer programs. 
uh, deer hunting, whitetail is the king uh, in North America. And during this past hunting season that we've just wrapped up or wrapping up, uh, nearly three million bucks taken during the hunting season. That's bucks alone, uh, which says something to the management of our whitetail herd across America. There's a lot of deer running around. That is for sure. Uh, we have growing deer herds in many states. Um, some places that's really good. and some places we see some state wildlife agencies that want to, to cut that growth a little bit. But, uh, but that growing buck harvest is, is a sure sign that, yeah, there's a lot of, of strong, healthy deer populations out there and in many cases on the rise. If people want to learn more about the National Deer Association, uh, your website is just awesome, by the way, for uh, the, the novice, the beginner, the guy that wants to get started or gal. Uh, and the experienced hunter. You guys have done a great job with your website. Oh, thank you very much. Uh, you know, it's our goal to provide that, that type of information that the hunters are looking for, whether they're brand new or, or very experienced. So uh, the idea is, you know, share this information with them so, uh, you know, it can help them be more successful during the hunting season and uh, be a little better steward of our natural resources. Yeah, DeerAssociation.com is the website, and I've got a link at KinderOutdoors.com. Interesting to me, Kip, how people, uh, how we take our deer, 64%, no surprise, of the 2019-2020 season uh, killed their deer with a, uh, with a firearm. Uh, 25% uh, bow hunters, that number's coming on, on up and has been a good number over the past several years, and 10% with a uh, muzzleloader, but it's New Jersey that leads the pack in the deer harvest with uh, with archery equip- equipment, 63%, a huge number up there. And I guess we all get caught in our own little ruts and, and what we do, and we assume that everyone is like us, and that's just not the case. We're a diverse group. That's for sure. And uh, and you hit on that about that growing number of, of archers out there with that bow hunter harvest increasing. Uh, you know, 15 years ago, that percentage was only about 15%. And uh so slowly but surely, we're, we're taking more deer with, with the archery equipment during the year. And uh, in large part, you know, it's many of the same hunters, Billy, that they used to shoot them with a rifle or a shotgun. They've, uh, you know, taken advantage of expanded archery opportunities and, in many cases, better uh, weather and uh, shooting some of those deer a little earlier in the hunting season. Yep, there you go. And the good news about the National Deer Association is that you represent all of us, whether we take them with a bow, a muzzleloader, a rifle, uh, whether we hunt uh, mule deer out west or whitetails in Pennsylvania. Uh, you guys represent us all. But uh, the National Deer Association is a nonprofit conservation group. That means you rely on us, the deer hunter, to keep you going. How can we help? Oh, absolutely. Uh, we're a member-based organization. Uh, we have members all across the United States and Canada and several foreign countries. So uh, uh, you can certainly help us uh, by, by joining. Uh, fewer deer hunters belong to an organization like ours than any other species. Uh, a lot more people uh, who are turkey hunters, you know, join a turkey group or duck hunters uh, join a duck. So uh, you're right. We we speak for hunters, and uh, we don't want to see us divided anymore, whether they you, know, you pursuit or pursue deer with a bow or muzzleloader or whatever so uh, we try to stay out of the what you should shoot them with and stick more into the hey let's just make sure we have healthy deer and good opportunities so uh, we, we say all deer hunters uh, ought to belong because uh, we, we fight for them and we have lots of stuff to offer for them. hey Kip before we go tell me one good deer hunting story did you have a good fall Man, I sure did. Uh, I'm very lucky. Uh, I have two young kids who are just ate up with deer hunting and uh, some nephews that like it. And uh, this past year, I had a great opportunity to, to mentor my kids and 
my nephews and, and some other hunters. So uh, I uh, I think I love hunting more every year, Billy, than, than before. And uh, taking somebody new uh, each year uh, just makes us that much more exciting. So uh, I got to see a bunch of deer fall and a bunch of deer uh, get processed, uh, teach people how to do that as well, and then ultimately share that venison with some needy families. So uh my family eats a lot of it, but uh, but we share some as well. So uh, I'm a, I'm a very lucky man to get to experience uh, each part of that during the deer season. Hey, Jeff, it's a pleasure to talk to you, and uh, we'll be talking again soon, I'm sure. Thank you much, Billy. You have a great day. Kinder Outdoors from the Vineyards Campground on Grapevine Lake, Texas, is brought to you in part by Fortiflora, America's number one canine probiotic. Great for weaning puppies. Hi, I'm Walter Parrott. And when I'm not in the great outdoors, I'm thinking about it with Kinder Outdoors. It's time to block the calendar for the Dallas Safari Club Convention and Sporting Expo 2023. Hi, I'm DSC Chief Executive Officer Corey Mason, and I am personally inviting you to this crown jewel of conservation. The DSC Convention and Sporting Expo is back at the K. Bailey Hutchinson Convention Center in Dallas, January 5th through the 8th. Hunts, guns, jewelry, clothing, and so much more. Please plan to join us and find more details at biggame.org. Whether I'm still hunting January whitetails in wintry West Texas, November pheasants in snowy South Dakota, crappie through the Minnesota ice, or big brown trout in the cold waters of the Ozarks in the fall, I know that I'm going to be warm and comfortable enough to go all day long. It starts with foundational protection from the frigid extremes. My basics and essentials are Buffalo Wool Company socks, gloves, and net gaiters. Here's Ron Miskin with Buffalo Wool. Well, I was really surprised when I got pictures back. He sent, went and did a 330-mile snowmobile trek up in Alaska, negative 30, chasing muskox. He said second day he quit wearing his choppers, just wearing our gloves and hat. The buffalo fiber you make your products from, actually warmer than wool. Oh, yeah, much warmer than wool, a lot more durable. These are meant to be used and used hard. Learn the secret of the buffalo, thebuffalowoolco.com. TheBuffaloWoolCo.com. John Payne and his Tejas Ranch Fence Company know that there's no cookie-cutter approach. Every job, every ranch, every lay of land is unique and custom. We're able to take a look at the owner's intent, the individual characteristics of the property, and really come up with a solution that works for them. We've got a great team here that has a passion for what we do. Your land, our passion. We love bringing out the best in your property. TejasRanchFence.com Wing shooting in Argentina is an activity that must be experienced rather than explained. Dove are considered to be a plague in the area, so there are no bag limits, and there are no seasons to hunt them. We've got 20 million birds on the roost, and they're there 365 days a year. They're there every day, all day. They fly eight hours a day, every day. At Cordoba Doves, you'll enjoy delicious food, exceptional hospitality, beverages in the field, your own personal bird boy. Bird boy's job is to pour shells in your bag uh, when you're going through a box every five minutes and keep count of the birds that you've shot and to bring you something to drink every few minutes. At the end of the day, we pick up all the holes and pick up the birds, but you can't send him out to pick
pick up birds at six or eight hundred times a day. Experience the very best that Argentina has to offer through Cordoba Doves. Contact the U.S. Representative Lane Balky at CordobaDoves.com. My name is Jose Grasso, the owner of JJ Caseria. Can see me in Argentina. The Quail Coalition has drawn the line. Quail decline stops here. South and West Texas and Western Oklahoma are the last strong natural regions for wild bobwhite quail. We've all watched the drastic decline across the southern states of the iconic bobwhite. The Quail Coalition has vowed to do all within human power to not only stop quail decline, but build a future where the quail will flourish across all of its original habitat. If true quail conservation is important to you, please visit quailcoalition.org. Consider a membership, attend one of our fundraising banquets, and please consider starting a chapter in your home state. Together, let's sustain and restore huntable wild quail populations. Let's encourage and educate interested youth. Let's keep the most brilliant quail minds on earth working on a bright future for our quails. The first step, visit our website, quailcoalition.org. Every animal that has ever roamed this planet was designed as hunted or hunter, predator or prey. We are hunters. If it were ever necessary, even the strictest vegan would return to the wild, driven to survive by the instincts of his ancestors. Those who hide behind the soft delusion of their own ignorance do so from within a civilization whose very being costs the lives of countless creatures every single day. Death is an undeniable fuel of life. This is the undeniable truth of existence. To live in balance with the planet that sustains us, we must admit and embrace the nature within us. Trust the hunter in your blood. Cresta fishing, the art of going fishing when you should be painting the house. Hey, wait for us. Welcome to the Kinder Outdoors Camp House. At the Vineyards Campground and Cabins on the shores of beautiful Grapevine Lake, Texas. Joshua Creek Ranch is bordered by a historic water. I'm talking about the Guadalupe River and crystal clear Joshua Creek runs right through the middle of the place. It has those native Texas Guadalupe bass in there. And my point is, when you visit this historic bird hunting ranch in the hill country of Texas, five-star, beautiful place, don't forget to take the fly rod. But if you do, they've got a great pro shop, Joshua Creek Ranch. Learn more about them at kinderoutdoors.com. My friend Larry Wysoon, one of the smartest guys I know when it comes to white-tailed deer, and we're going to spend the remainder of the show with him. I had a question one time about antlered does, and I thought I would ask my biologist friend about that. I'll be very frank with you. Most of the time, and I've had the opportunity to look at a lot of them with my background as a biologist, but also dealing with the Department of Veterinary Pathology many years ago and uh, with Texas A&M University and Wildlife Disease Project, we looked at lots of antlered does. Generally, they're not in antlered, they're not hardened antlered. They're in, in velvet. The antler cycle is determined by testosterone. And what we found in most instances, even though a lot of the does that 
and they're not many that will produce antlers. But a lot of those quote-unquote does, when we really start dissecting them and taking apart, we found testicles somewhere within their body because those antlers will not grow unless there's a certain amount of testosterone. The, the antler cycle is determined by testosterone. As the, ant, as the antlers start growing, actually is what's causing it. Let's say we're in January or February and the antlers fall off. What has happened is that buck has had a lot of high-level testosterone. It drops way off. That's when that abscessional line forms. The antler falls off. Almost immediately starts growing back. Well, testosterone is crawling in content and percentage of that, whatever in that body, very, very, very slowly, all the way through antler cycle. When those antlers are totally grown, there's a little peak of it. The velvet, it constricts the blood vessels. The velvet comes off. It stays very, very high during the time that it bucks in the breeding season. As that daylight changes, as we're visiting about with, with antler development and all that kind of thing, it drops, the testosterone drops a whole lot. The antlers come off. So for that doe to produce, either through one of her other glands or so that she's got, well, maybe through the pituitary, it's causing that animal to produce some testosterone to produce those antlers. But again, almost every, and I've looked probably at about 20, 25 of them over the years that were at all outward signs of, of a doe. And yet when you take them apart inside, you find testicles inside the body. My goodness. So needless to say, these are going to be the monks of the deer family. They're never going to produce any uh, any offspring. No, they're probably won't produce any offspring at all. I mean, because it, 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 it's a... Uh, uh, a hormone, in, hormone imbalance is what it amounts to. How prevalent is that, I guess, more in different areas? It, it could be more in different areas. You know, we see velvet horned deer that, that never shed their velvet frequently a lot of places, and sometimes because those animals were castrated or something caused those testicles to atrophy quite a bit. And uh, there are certain areas also that years ago they used to have a lot of velvet horns in the central part of, of Texas and around Mason and Menard in the central granite area. There we found that it was a nitrogen poisoning more than anything else. There were certain plants under certain conditions at the right time in rainfall, very, very high in nitrogen. Nitrogen causes the constriction of the, the uh, capillaries within the body, and that had a lot to do with producing the velvet horns that we used to see years and years ago. And, and of course, they generally do not, the males do not breed then either. Yeah. How would you tag that deer, Larry? <laughs> yeah, I think in most instances it says an antler deer. So you'd have yeah. to, even though it's a doe, you'd have to use your buck tag on it. Yeah, and you're correct. He told her you need to use a buck tag on that deer because he had uh, had antlers. Interesting stuff. And uh, man, you, you can spend every day of your life in God's great outdoors, and there's something new to learn every day. You know what? That's one of the great fascinations I have with life is being able to get outdoors because you do. You have if you keep your eyes open and an open mind. You're you're going to learn something every time you go out. Larry Wysoon, Mr. Whitetail. Larry and I had another conversation one time about the resiliency of whitetail deer. If you're a longtime whitetail hunter, you know that already. I have seen incredible stuff with Bob White quail through the year. You'll swear you're down to just a covey or two on 5,000 acres, and then the rains come and everything's just right. Next year, you're finding 30 coveys a day with your bird dogs. White-tailed deer have that same resiliency. Man, they're tougher than we think they are. They truly are. I mean, they're survivors when you get right down to it. Not only they're survivors, they're reproducers as well. As long as there's any kind of nutrition available for them, they're going to reproduce every year. And they come back so very quick because not only do the does, once they get a little age on it, generally grow half twins. They 
those twins grow to maturity, but also is the fact that if that white-tailed doe is a six-month-old, if she's in pretty good nutritional condition, as many as 80% of those yearling, or sorry, six-month-old doe fawns will breed and have fawns themselves that fall in spring or a little bit later normally than spring. You know, uh, one key that we can look back on, Larry, in Texas is 2010 with the most horrendous drought that I can remember in my lifetime, and the, the state was on fire, burning, wildfires, literally, and man, our deer have come back so strong. They really have. I mean, but a lot of those fires were a horrible thing, but at the same time, they were kind of godsend when you get right down to it, because the habitat throughout Texas and a lot of other places evolved with fire, and when you remove that overstory, so it horribly happened in, like, around the Bastrop area and a lot of other places. It took the canopy out, all of a sudden the sunlight competition from the bigger pines and the bigger trees was gone. Now you got all this lush growth coming back. So fire really is a very, very important thing. But it goes back to nutrition a lot is what we're talking about in terms of the resiliency of those animals being able to, to bounce back. And as long as they've got the nutrition available to them, not only is that doe going to produce those two twin fawns, she's going to produce a lot of milk. And once she does that, those fawns have got a little bit better chance of surviving as well. You know, not only are, are, are white-tailed deer survivors and resilient, but in places where uh, hunting is not allowed, city limits, different places, city parks around the country, there are pestilence. They're out of control. And that shows you what would happen everywhere if we banned hunting. You're right. That's exactly right. I'll tell you what. Hunting is so very important for so many reasons. It's not only economically important as far as our, our state is concerned, the small areas, but at the same time, these populations are not controlled. What happens is, is they literally will eat themselves out of house and home, and the animals die. And, you know, you think about, well, the deer diet, but you forget about all the little invertebrates, all the insects, all the songbirds, all the uh, little mammals, all the other animals, the reptiles. Everything is very, very dependent on the habitat being in good shape. And when you allow that deer population to essentially destroy that habitat, everything suffers. And those animal populations are not quite as resilient a lot of times as white-tailed deer are. So that's one of the reasons that we hunt and need to keep hunting, because if we don't, we stand the chance of losing not just the white deer, but all the other things, and maybe even more important than that, a lot of the vegetation and the habitats that's there for, as I mentioned, for songbirds and other animals. You mentioned vegetation and habitat. First thing's going to happen is Mama's roses are going to disappear, and her vegetable garden's going to disappear, and then everyone's going to hear what's happening. Absolutely. I've gotten tickled over the years. We've had an urban sprawl everywhere you go. and You know, the first year or so, they put in their new yards, and they spend a fortune on the landscaping, and they love seeing the deer. And then all of a sudden they realize, my roses aren't there anymore, and this plant's not there anymore, and this plant's not there anymore. And all of a sudden a lot of those people go, well, we need to do something about these deer. And they do. I mean, the population is because what you do, you're fertilizing the lawn, you're fertilizing your roses, produces great nutrition. All that does really is increases that population very quickly, which puts continually more pressure on what you have available for them to eat. Hunting is not only a lot of fun and not only a great way to recreate, but it's so very important. It is. Hunting is important in so many different ways. It's important for that particular targeted species, but even more so, it's much more important, as we mentioned, for the vegetation and all the other animals that are there, the invertebrates, the vertebrates, songbirds, everything. I mean, it is dependent upon that habitat. And if that habitat goes by the wayside because we have not managed it by hunting, then we're all in trouble. I love to hunt white-tailed deer, but hands down, my favorite venison axis deer. And I love to hunt them at Joshua Creek Ranch with my friends Joe and Ann Kirchival. The food, the lodging, the people, the bird hunting, everything 
is five-star on this low-fence, rolling Texas Hill Country Ranch. Go spend some time with them. Learn more about Joshua Creek Ranch at kinderoutdoors.com. Mr. Whitetail, Larry Wyson. I can't believe Big Billy gave my own personal bedroom here at the camp house. Now, if he'd just get his dogs out of my bed... It's really exciting to see right now. Uh, one thing that's great about archery is anybody can do it. Men, women, or children, everybody can do this. Um, our lessons right now are fantastic. We see entire family groups come in, have a great time, and they're finding out that this is something that is a great pastime, great sport, and everybody can be successful in. Americans are learning what a huge benefit it is to learn to hunt, learn to fish, learn to put safe and wholesome food on our tables. Cinnamon Creek Archery in Roanoke, Texas, has taught many thousands of families about the great sport of archery. People who thought they could just never do that now enjoy the range and harvesting their own wild game. You can't just sell some a bow and say, hey, good luck. You need to be able to take them aside, teach them the fundamentals, teach them how to shoot correctly so that they can be as successful as possible and really enjoy our sport. Visit CinnamonCreekRanch.com and discover the great knowledge and satisfaction that so many other families have found in archery. Some of the most outstanding memories in Brendan's young life have been the hunting trips that he takes with Dad. Duck, doves, quail. But the good times aren't just reserved for the dove field or the deer blind. They all start in the cab of that classic Chevrolet when you pull out of the drive. Um, the corner store gets snack and we either stop at Bucky's. Because it's Bucky's. Yeah. <laughs> it's fun hiding from the cold with Dad in a duck blind. And the ice doesn't seem that bad out in that old flat-bottom boat for a little while. A decoy, he starts it up. And sometimes the decoys make noises, I think. Or if, it does, if that doesn't work, he just uses his call. And then they just come, but sometimes we come back with nothing. But home away from home is that classic Chevrolet. I love sleeping in the car and then waking up still in the car as well. I can just feel the comfort knowing that it will be fun. At Classic Chevrolet, we sell memory makers. Come get yours. ClassicChevrolet.com The Wild Sheep Foundation. Our purpose sounds simple. To put and keep wild sheep on the mountain. But from where we stand to the top of the mountain is a challenging and exciting journey. To be successful, we support the top scientific minds in wildlife research. We tell the story and history of the wild sheep in North America to those around us, like you. And step by step, we protect and grow wild sheep populations. If not for the Wild Sheep Foundation, more than $115 million in care, concern, and conservation work would not have happened over the past 40 years. Important work that has seen our wild sheep populations grow from 25,000 or so in the 1950s to more than 85,000 today. Learn more about the worldwide leader in wild sheep conservation. Secure a membership. Attend a banquet. Bid on an auction item. Make an impact on top of the mountain. WildSheepFoundation.org The Dallas Safari Club Convention and Sporting Expo is back at the K. Bailey Hutchison Convention Center in Dallas, January 5th through the 8th. Make plans to join outdoorsmen and women from around the globe for the greatest hunting and outdoors expo on the planet. 
guns, exclusive trips and opportunities, fine jewelry, world-class taxidermy, artwork, hunting gear, and accessories, covering 800,000 square foot of exhibit space in downtown Dallas. I'm DSC Chief Executive Officer Corey Mason asking you to please join us for this important event as we raise funds to fight for your ability to hunt, shoot, fish, and trap. DSC also builds young men and women that will be the conservation backbone of the future and we fund global efforts to fight poachers and benefit wildlife and habitat. There's so much to do and see at the DSC convention. Bring the family January 5th through the 8th and learn more at biggame.org. Teach a man to hunt and fish, and you'll never see him again. Sit down and prop up your boots with us here at Kinder Outdoors. From the beautiful vineyards campground and cabins on Grapevine Lake, Texas. Hey, if you haven't yet entered to win our Fishing You a Merry Christmas contest, go do that now. KinderOutdoors.com. It's a real simple registration. And as we get closer to Santa Claus, we're going to draw one winner that's going to take two guests with him or her to Costa Rica. We're going to the Caribbean, staying oceanfront at Casa Carib Sea five nights and enjoying the full fleet of Carib Sea sport fishing offshore, inshore. Mahi, marlin, sailfish, it's going to be a blast. But you have to register to win. Go do that now at kinderoutdoors.com. Larry Wysoon and I have had great conversations about the rut over the years. Actually, a lot of times you see a lot of sign of whitetail deer, particularly in terms of scrapes. And if you're one of those that likes to hunt scrapes, that pre-rut period is the best time to do so because that's when those bucks are more actively working those scrapes than they are once that rut really gets going. I actually love the pre-rut or the tail end of the pre-rut for rattling because those bucks are anxious. They're really anxious. Their testosterone level is extremely high. They're looking for girlfriends or they're looking to prove themselves against the other bucks. So that's one of the reasons that they respond real well to antlers right before the rut starts. Now once that rut gets started, then it's a totally different game because the bucks are chasing all over the place and there you really want to hunt does. You want to hunt those sources to where you can find those where those bucks are coming in to check on the estrus cycle or the status of those does in that particular area. Now let's talk about uh, pre-rut rattling just a little bit. How do you like to do it, Larry? Do you hit and move, hit and move? Do you sit in one spot? How do you work it? I hunt according to the property that we have. There are some areas that are small where I can't get around a whole lot, so I'm going to stay in one spot, and I'm going to rattle about once an hour and then wait a little bit. Or like I say, once an hour, it, my preference, however, if there's country to do so, is to rattle, stay there longer than I normally do, <laughs> which is not very long, pick up and move about four or 500 yards and rattle again. To me, that's a real fun way of doing it. But if you're hunting a small piece of property, just stay there and hit the horns together once in a while. Buck may not have heard you the first time. He may have moved in. It also keeps your interest up and keeps you staying right there and makes that almost all-day hunting seem like it didn't take all day long. Time seems to really move a lot faster in that blind or, or uh, when you're camoed up and sitting out in the woods this time of year. It's a special time of year. Uh, got any particular uh, hunts you're looking forward to and where are you headed? We're going to be doing a little bit of hunting in Texas. I've got pre-rut hunt set up in South Texas on a, on a place that has got some really nice deer. and Those deer there won't rut until about the middle of December, so it's maybe a little bit early to rattle, but still those bucks are going to be in the same patterns they pretty, mer- pretty much were during the late summertime, so hopefully we've patterned some of those bucks and we'll be able to find one then. 
Larry discussing rut versus pre-rut, which is, hey, probably where you are right now, wherever you hunt. If your seasons are open, if they're not pre-rut, they're full swing. But what kicks off the rut? Larry, I'm going to ask you to put your biology hat on with us today on the show because uh, a listener posed this question to me uh, a few months ago, and I can't believe that I never have really thought about this any deeper than I have. What kicks off the rut? Officially, is it moon phase? Is it a strolling violinist? What what kicks off the rut? Actually, it's range conditions seven and a half months later. <laughs> really? Explain that one. The rut occurs so that the fawns are born at the most opportune time in terms of nutrition. Here in Texas, we have the rut that starts some places in, in August and runs into late January. And basically, it's it, it, it what, it's not necessarily what kicks it off, but it's what causes it. It's such that those does have a chance to eat and produce those fawns in the latter stage and provide milk for them at the best time. And what's interesting, too, a lot of people think, well, it's cold weather. It's not cold weather. I mean, the rut occurs whether or not it, it's uh, cold. It's actually the shortening of the daylight hours, which... Uh, uh, causes that through the pituitary uh, gland that sits underneath the brain. Then, I mean, that has a lot to do with it. To, to, but it all comes down to, again, a nutritional thing. It's axis deer. We have a lot of those in Texas. Axis deer pretty much breed throughout the year. They come from an area where it doesn't really make any difference when that fawn is born. One of the things that we've done with white-tailed deer that really has changed, the, the, the peak breeding date has not changed in the last 50 years. I mean, we looked at data, looking at all kinds of different things. The, the peak of the rut years ago when the nutrition was not available like it is available these days was a very few weeks, like two-week period that the rut had to occur so that those fawns could be born at the best time. Now with our greatly increased nutrition that we have through the management, habitat changes and all that, nutrition is there pretty much all during the spring, all during the summer. So there is no longer that necessity for those does to be bred in that two-week period. They can be bred over a six-, eight-, ten-week period. Wow, so you're telling me that we, by taking care of our deer, have actually modified the rut a little bit, or we can. We, we have, we have. Again, it comes down to the fact it has to do with the, those fawns being born seven and a half months later. It's like years ago in South Texas and other areas where we had the screw worm. When we eradicated the screw worm, it, back then, if that fawn wasn't born in a two-week period, it's probably going to die because of screw worms. My word, learn something every day. Shortening of the days I had on my list, I thought, could that be it? But you knew I didn't know. <laughs> but it is, you're right, it is a shortening of the days. But it has to do, again, so that those fawns are born at the most opportune time. Yeah, good Lord put a clock in there that's never wrong. You're exactly right. <laughs> if you and your family, your buddies, your company would enjoy a five-star bird hunt in the beautiful Texas Hill Country, amongst those ancient live oak trees and Cypress Line, Joshua Creek, call or go online and visit my friends at Joshua Creek Ranch now. Because even next spring, we'll book up early. Joshua Creek Ranch, endorsed by Beretta, Orvis, and Shooting Sportsman. Learn more about them at kinderoutdoors.com. The rut, probably the most talked about part Tell of any deer season. Tell us a little bit about some of the intricacies of the rut that you watch for. One of the reasons the rut occurs when it does, where it does, is so that seven and a half months later, those fawns are born at the most opportune time. That's the reason sometimes in the same basic area you'll have the bucks chasing like crazy on one side of the county and maybe not chasing quite as hard on the other side of the county. But to me, the rut is such that it's the most active time. The deer have a tendency to be a lot more active throughout the day. There, there are really only two reasons why big old mature bucks move, and that's one, to chase the does and others to find a food source. 
those two work together very well right now as we're hitting into the rut. And you want to find a spot where you've got a lot of does, where you've got a lot of does, and that doesn't mean a overpopulation of deer, but where there's maybe several does that you know of, try to hunt that area right there because those bucks are going to start checking on those, on those does. Now, the interesting thing about some of the big mature bucks is they don't really chase that hard. They produce just enough testosterone to get through the antler cycle. They come out and they're in great shape. Next year they got a big set of antlers. Some of those bucks actually become more secretive and maybe even co shrink their home range during that time frame. And those kind of bucks sometimes can be hard to hunt. They can be fun to hunt. They can be hard to take. But when you do take one, it just means hunting smart and a lot of times it means hunting all day long. One of the things I've noticed over the years with bucks that we've dealt with, individual bucks that I knew something about, there was a tendency for those bucks, particularly when there was a full moon or no moon at all at night, for them to move pretty much between the hours of 10 o'clock and about 3 o'clock during the middle part of the day. And when the rut's going on, it's a great time to find those big mature bucks because I think they have learned to some extent, too, that how we hunt. We hunt early and we hunt late. A lot of times we're at camp watching football or something else during the middle part of the day, and that's when they move. I started to say between 10 and 3, a lot of times that's when that breakfast is getting served about 10 o'clock, and then everybody takes a nap, and then about 4 o'clock they yawn and stretch and head back out. Ought to be in that field. They really ought to. That's really the time when you see a lot of the mature bucks. If you looked at all the record books and all those kind of things, if that's of interest to you, you'd find out, and they told you exactly when those bucks were killed, that's when most of those really big, monstrous bucks were shot, is between the hours of 10 and about 3 o'clock in the afternoon. And, guys, if you're out there between 10 and 3 today, like Larry said, and it doesn't happen for you, be back out there tomorrow. Keep it up. Keep it up. I mean, that's consistency makes a difference, and so does persistence. Hey, Larry, uh, if, if uh, folks want to get in touch with you and, and learn more, what's your website? I've got a website, but probably the best thing to do is go to Facebook to Larry Wysoon or my fan page. Mr. Whitetail Larry Wysoon. We're Larry heavy on the show today because, hey, it's opening weekend of the general deer season in Texas, and it would rival the dove opener as the biggest hunting day in our great state, probably in your state too, Whitetail's our king across these United States. Let's stretch our legs, grab a biscuit, and then we're back on the shores of beautiful Grapevine Lake, Texas, at the Vineyards Campground and Cabins, home to Kinder Outdoors. Teach a man to hunt and fish, and you'll never see him again. Sit down and prop up your boots with us here at Kinder Outdoors. Coming to you from our home away from home, and that's the Vineyards Campground and Cabins. In the middle of nowhere, right smack dab in the middle of Dallas, Fort Worth. This corner of the camphouse brought to you by my friends at Purina Pro Plan, makers of the world's greatest dog fuel for your hard-working dog, Pro Plan Performance Formula, 30% protein, 20% fat. Pick it up at Atwood's Ranch and Home Stores. Hey, in case you missed it about an hour ago, real handy information from our old friend Ray Sasser. Very talented outdoorsman, and he loved rattling up white-tailed deer. Pre-rut conditions exist right now in a lot of areas. That's a perfect time to rattle. Ray and I talked about that. Ray, I've asked you to break out the rattling horns this morning because there are, there are so many myths and legends about rattling. Oh, that doesn't work, or I've tried it and it didn't work. 
there's a there's a way to go about rattling deer, and it sure works in Texas, doesn't it? Well, it works some places, you know, yeah. and, and 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 the truth is, it doesn't work everywhere, and and it doesn't work where you've got way too many does and not nearly enough bucks because what's you know the, there's more more does than they can get to anyway why would they fight over them well that's like spring turkey hunting you're not going to get that hung up tom that's already got his hands over there to to turn loose and come to your call and same thing with this no i said no you're right you're right and uh uh bill i think that i think probably the american indians probably were the were the first people to uh actually make a, a deer fight sound and get a deer to come to them. But the guy who popularized it was Bob Ramsey. And Bob Ramsey used to be, a, for a while, he was a Parks and Wildlife uh, biologist. And then he then he married into a ranching family, I think, and, and uh, become a, became a rancher. And when the, when the, um, when the wild ranch uh, uh, started seriously commercially hunting in the 50s, they brought a bunch of uh, writers in from all the different magazines to show them what the country looked like, and they needed somebody to entertain them, and there was nobody better than Bob Ramsey, because Bob always told a great story anyway. And So he, he brought, they brought all these guys in, and Bob took them out and rattled up all these deer for them. They went back and wrote all the stories about them, and that's where deer rattling all over the country became popular, and then everybody tried it and couldn't do it because they didn't have the right ratio or they weren't trying it at the right time, right. and they didn't... Um, uh, everybody kind of gets off of it before it really works for them. Huh. Well, let's talk about your technique and how you go about it a little bit. Does does this A only work during the rut? Well, it, it, it actually works better just pre-rut, it just just before the rut. And maybe at the, at the tail end of the rut when uh, when the bucks are still looking but there aren't any does. Okay. Because uh, they'll, come, they'll come to a fight that time of the year. Uh, my technique is kind of like Bob Ramsey, I talked to Bob about this one time. And he said, he said, he said, you got to get a sneer on your face and uh, make your left hand try to overpower your right hand. And 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 I kind of I've always taken him at that. And a lot of people, you know, they're trying to be subtle about it and start real slow. And the whole, my my idea is let's make a bunch of noise. You know, if if I can hear, it's like it's the same theory I have about fishing. Let's throw it out there a bunch of times and cover a lot of ground, and maybe we'll find an aggressive one. Right. You know. It's that way about rattling. Now, I've got these particular rattling horns, which are the best I've ever had from a guy who had a bunch of shed horns. He had a big pile of shed horns. I just went through. These aren't from the same deer. You can tell they're both right antlered horns. And by using two right antlered horns, I can keep from hurting myself too bad when I'm clashing them together. And then I went through the shed pile, and I found found this one that was broken up here where I can make a kind of interesting noise with it right, right. and so you just uh, uh the best thing to do is of course set up where you can see downwind because most of the time if a deer comes to a fight he's gonna he's gonna try to circle and get the wind on you yeah. he can usually tell who's fighting you know and if it's somebody he doesn't want to deal with he just goes on right, right. you know so you so you just get where you can see pretty good Sounds like fighting deer, and you can't, you know, you can't make too much noise. You can't when when two 150 pound wild deer try to kill each other, 
it's a brutal thing. Yeah. You know, they're not tiptoeing around trying to be quiet about it. There's, it's, it's, it's a fearsome thing to see. Yeah. Uh, it really is. And, and a lot of times I, in a lot of times I'll even mouth call. In fact, every time I've gotten to where I mouth call all the time. And I just make a, bleh, bleh, yeah. a distress kind of call. I mix it with a, bleh, bleh, bleh. Right. Right. that's somebody getting hurt. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Let me ask you one more question about your rattling, right? You rattle and sit. How long before you move? Because I know you like to rattle and move. I don't. You know, I don't. I don't know. It just depends on. It depends on the day and the time and the place and, and where I'm sitting. Uh, uh, I don't. I'm not that patient about it. Yeah. You know, if, if they're going to come, they're going to come. Now the biggest deer. You know, the biggest deer I've ever rattled up was in South Texas, and it was actually I was rattling with Emily. We were trying to kill a management buck, and we. You know, Lord, if we'd have had a trophy buck. Permit on this place would have killed a big one because uh, uh, I was I was through with the rattling sequence and we were I was just packing up to move and I looked over and this guy just kind of walked out of the brush and stared at us for about 30 seconds before we figured out we weren't really a deer fight. Ray Sasser was a very talented outdoorsman and was kind enough to tutor us on rattling white-tailed deer. Give it a try. Right place, right time. You'll be amazed with the results. This corner of the camp house at Kinder Outdoors from the Vineyards Campground and Cabins is brought to you by my friends at Purina Pro Plan. Pick up the formula that best suits your dog. No matter the age or lifestyle, there's a Pro Plan formula that's perfect for them at Atwood's Ranch and Home Stores. I'm Craig Boddington. When I'm not in the great outdoors, I'm thinking about it at Kinder Outdoors. John Payne and his Tejas Ranch Fence Company know that there's no cookie-cutter approach. Every job, every ranch, every lay of land is unique and custom. We're able to take a look at the owner's intent, the individual characteristics of the property, and really come up with a solution that works for them. We've got a great team here that has a passion for what we do. Your land, our passion. We love bringing out the best in your property. TejasRanchFence.com Hi, I'm Jim Shockey, and I want to make sure that all of our calendars are marked with the dates for our 2023 annual military charity golf event. The dates are March 26th and 27th of 2023. We'll be returning to the Wild Dunes Resort on the Isle of Palms in South Carolina. Now here's the best part. The proceeds from this military charity golf event, supported by Freedom Hunters, goes to award the honorable service personnel of our U.S. and Canadian Armed Forces with outdoor adventures. There's no better cause than honoring the courageous men and women that protect our freedoms. So go to jimshockeyclassic.com to register. So again, that's March 26th and 27th of 2023 at the Wild Dunes Resort. And by the way, that's the South Carolina coast in the springtime. It doesn't get any better than that. I'll see you there. Get off the beach and into the action. Enjoy world-class Costa Rican sport fishing with Carib Sea Sport Fishing, marlin, sailfish, roosterfish, and more. Inshore, offshore, overnight, seamounts. Carib Sea Sport Fishing will work with your group to customize the perfect trip. Half day, full day, every day. Your next getaway is the best ever. Take a look at catchafishincostarica.com. Catch a fish in Costa Rica dot com. 
If you fry your turkeys during the holiday season and you're tired of the hassle of pots, open flames under hot oil, and sticky, oily messes, then it's time to take a good look at the Cajun Fryer by R&V Works. The original, the last fryer that you'll ever need to purchase. Cajun Fryer puts pro-level frying gear in your backyard or hunt and fish camp. These are high-performance, low-maintenance deep fryers that feature the heat source in the oil. Your oil heats from the inside out. If your family loves a fish fry, Cajun Fryer is a must. Because the heat source is suspended in the oil, small crumbs and pieces that burn fall to the bottom. So your oil stays much cleaner, many times lasting the entire year. Often imitated, never duplicated. Don't be fooled. Take a look at the original Cajun Fryer at CajunFryer.com. Fresh, crisp, delicious every time. CajunFryer.com. Hey, crappie anglers. Crappie season is here. Wally Marshall, Mr. Crappie, here to tell you about all of the new crappie products for 2022. Check out the all-new Wally Marshall Classic Signature Rods by Lou's. The Wally Marshall Classic Series starts at 5 foot 6 and all the way up to 16 foot in length. IM8 graphite construction, cork handles, stainless steel guides, super light for all-day use, and the perfect trolling and casting rods on the market today. Now for you live scopers out there, the Wally Marshall Pro Target Rods are designed with IM8 graphite blanks, stainless steel guides, and wind grip handles. No slip with a grip when you're trying to boat flip a three-pounder. Pro Target Rods are the best for live scope, trolling, and perfect for wade fishing and heavy cover. All new Mr. Crappie Colors and Crappie Thunders, Slabalicious, Jokers, and Shad Pose. Tennessee Mist, White, Who Dat, and Don't Miss the School Bus. All crappie anglers should keep the Mr. Crappie Slabomatic Electric Filet Knife handy too. StrikeKing.com, Lose.com, and SmithsProducts.com. Thanks to God above for his blessing on our rights to hunt, fish, and fill our freezers with healthy protein. We celebrate that in this camp house at Kinder Outdoors. Kinder Outdoors at the Vineyards Campground and Cabins, our home away from home. And it's all about white-tailed deer on the show today. This is the general season kickoff in the state of Texas, other places around the country as well. Larry Wysoon is a big game biologist. His nickname is Mr. Whitetail. He's a very dear friend, and so the logical choice to ask our Whitetail questions to, like antlered does, what's the story there? I'll be very frank with you. Most of the time, and I've had the opportunity to look at a lot of them with my background as a biologist, but also dealing with the Department of Veterinary Pathology many years ago and uh, with Texas A&M University and Wildlife Disease Project, we looked at lots of antlered does. Generally, they're not in antlered, they're not hardened antlered. They're in, in velvet. The antler cycle is determined by testosterone. And what we found in most instances, even though a lot of the does that and there are not many that will produce antlers, but a lot of those quote-unquote does, when we really start dissecting them and taking them apart, we found testicles somewhere within their body because those antlers will not grow unless there's a certain amount of testosterone. The, the antler cycle is determined by testosterone. As the, ant, as the antlers start growing, actually what's causing it, let's say we're in January, February, and the antlers fall off. What has happened is that buck has had a lot of high-level testosterone. It drops way off. That's when that abscission line forms. The antler falls off. Almost 
almost immediately starts growing back. Well, testosterone is crawling in content and percentage of that and whatever in that body very, very, very slowly all the way through antler cycle. When those antlers are totally grown, there's a little peak of it. The velvet, it constricts the blood vessels. The velvet comes off, stays very, very high during the time that bucks in the breeding season. As that daylight changes, as we're visiting about with, with antler development and all that kind of thing, it drops, the testosterone drops a whole lot. The antlers come off. So for that doe to produce, either through one of her other glands or so that she's got, well, maybe through the pituitary, it's causing that animal to produce some testosterone to produce those antlers. But again, almost every, and I've looked probably at about 20, 25 of them over the years that were at all outward signs of, of a doe. And yet when you take them apart inside, you find testicles inside the body. My goodness. So needless to say, these are going to be the monks of the deer family. They're never going to produce any uh, any offspring. No, they're probably won't produce any offspring at all. I mean, because it, 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 it's a... Uh, uh, a hormone, in, hormone imbalance is what it amounts to. How prevalent is that, I guess, more in different areas? It, it could be more in different areas. You know, we see velvet horned deer that never shed their velvet frequently a lot of places, and sometimes because those animals were castrated or something caused those testicles to atrophy quite a bit. And uh, there are certain areas also, that years ago, they used to have a lot of velvet horns in the central part of, of Texas and around Mason and Menard in the central granite area. There we found that it was a nitrogen poisoning more than anything else. There were certain plants under certain conditions at the right time in rainfall, very, very high in nitrogen. Nitrogen causes the constriction of the, the uh, capillaries within the body, and that had a lot to do with producing the velvet horns that we used to see years and years ago. And, and of course, they generally do not, the males do not breed then either. Yeah. How would you tag that deer, Larry? <laughs> yeah, I think in most instances it says an antler deer. So you'd have yeah. to, even though it's a doe, you'd have to use your buck tag on it. Yeah, and you're correct. He told her you need to use a buck tag on that deer because he had uh, had antlers. Interesting stuff. And uh, man, you, you can spend every day of your life in God's great outdoors, and there's something new to learn every day. You know what? That's one of the great fascinations I have with life is being able to get outdoors because you do. You have if you keep your eyes open and an open mind. You're you're going to learn something every time you go out. Y'all don't miss the show next week when I'm going to get Larry to describe to us how he rode that Boone and Crockett buck to death one day. <laughs> that was quite a ride, I'll tell you. You got, you got a week to come up with something good, brother. Okay, thank you. <laughs> Kinder Outdoors at the Vineyards Campground and Cabins on the shores of Grapevine Lake, Texas. And talking about white-tailed deer, it's the deer opener here in the state. You know, it's been horribly droughty, not only in Texas, but across a lot of the central U.S. over the past two years. What's that do to our white-tailed deer? Well, they're mighty resilient. Larry and I had that conversation a couple of years ago. I have seen incredible stuff with Bob White quail through the year. You'll swear you're down to just a cubby or two on 5,000 acres, and then the rains come and everything's just right. Next year, you're finding 30 cubbies a day with your bird dogs. White-tailed deer have that same resiliency. Man, they're tougher than we think they are. They truly are. I mean, they're survivors when you get right down to it. Not only they're survivors, they're reproducers as well. As long as there's any kind of nutrition available for them, they're going to reproduce every year. And they come back so very quick because not only do the does, once they get a little age on it, generally grow have twins. They 
those twins grow to maturity, but also is the fact that if that white-tailed doe is a six-month-old, if she's in pretty good nutritional condition, as many as 80% of those yearling, or sorry, six-month-old doe fawns will breed and have fawns of their cells that fall in spring or a little bit later normally than spring. You know, uh, one key that we can look back on, Larry, in Texas is 2010 with the most horrendous drought that I can remember in my lifetime, and the, the state was on fire, burning, wildfires, literally, and man, our deer have come back so strong. They really have. I mean, but a lot of those fires were a, a horrible thing, but at the same time, they were kind of godsend when you get right down to it, because the habitat throughout Texas and a lot of other places evolved with fire, and when you remove that overstory, is that, so it horribly happened in, like, around the Bastrop area and a lot of other places. It took the canopy out, all of a sudden the sunlight competition from the bigger pines and the bigger trees was gone. Now you got all this lush growth coming back. So fire really is a very, very important thing. But it goes back to nutrition a lot is what we're talking about in terms of the resiliency of those animals being able to, to bounce back. And as long as they've got the nutrition available to them, not only is that doe going to produce those two twin fawns, she's going to produce a lot of milk. And once she does that, those fawns have got a little bit better chance of surviving as well. You know, not only are, are, are white-tailed deer survivors and resilient, but in places where uh, hunting is not allowed, city limits, different places, city parks around the country, there are pestilence. They're out of control. And that shows you what would happen everywhere if we banned hunting. You're right. That's exactly right. I'll tell you what. Hunting is so very important for so many reasons. It's not only economically important as far as our, our state is concerned, the small areas, but at the same time, these populations are not controlled. What happens is, is they literally will eat themselves out of house and home, and the animals die. You know, you think about, well, it's the deer diet, but you forget about all the little invertebrates, all the insects, all the songbirds, all the uh, little mammals, all the other animals, the reptiles. Everything is very, very dependent on that habitat being in good shape. And when you allow that deer population to essentially destroy that habitat, everything suffers. And those animal populations are not quite as resilient a lot of times as white-tailed deer are. So that's one of the reasons that we hunt and need to keep hunting, because if we don't, we stand the chance of losing not just the white-tailed deer, but all the other things, and maybe even more important than that, a lot of the vegetation and the habitats that's there for, as I mentioned, for songbirds and other animals. You mentioned vegetation and habitat. First thing's going to happen is Mama's roses are going to disappear, and her vegetable garden's going to disappear, and then everyone's going to hear what's happening. Absolutely. I, I've gotten tickled over the years. We've had an urban sprawl everywhere you go. and You know, the first year or so, everybody, they put in their new yards, and they spend a fortune on the landscaping, and they love seeing the deer. And then all of a sudden they realize, my roses aren't there anymore, and this plant's not there anymore, and this plant's not there anymore. And all of a sudden a lot of those people go, well, we need to do something about these deer. And they do. I mean, the population is because what you do, you're fertilizing the lawn, you're fertilizing your roses, produces great nutrition. All that does really is increases that population very quickly, which puts continually more pressure on what you have available for them to eat. Hunting is not only a lot of fun and not only a great way to recreate, but it's so very important. It is. Hunting is important in so many different ways. It's important for that particular targeted species, but even more so, it's much more important as we mentioned, for the vegetation and all the other animals that are there, the invertebrates, the vertebrates, songbirds, everything, I mean, it is dependent upon that habitat. And if that habitat goes by the wayside because we have not managed it by hunting, then we're all in trouble. This corner of the camp house brought to you by Purina Pro Plan. There's a Pro Plan formula specifically built for your dog, even if they have special conditions like an itchy coat or an intolerance to grain. Pick up the Pro Plan formula that best suits your dog at Atwood's Ranch and Home Stores. 
I'm Gerald McCraney, and when I'm not in the great outdoors, I am thinking about it with Big Billy Kinder Outdoors. Some of the most outstanding memories in Brendan's young life have been the hunting trips that he takes with Dad. Duck, doves, quail. But the good times aren't just reserved for the dove field or the deer blind. They all start in the cab of that classic Chevrolet when you pull out of the drive. Um, the corner store, you get a snack, and you get a stop at Bucky's. Because it's Bucky's. Yeah. <laughs> it's fun hiding from the cold with Dad in a duck blind, and the ice doesn't seem that bad out in that old flat-bottom boat for a little while. A decoy, he starts it up. And sometimes the decoys make noises, I think. Or if it does, if that doesn't work, he just uses his call. And then they just come, but sometimes we come back with nothing. But home away from home is that classic Chevrolet. I love sleeping in the car and then waking up still in the car as well. I can just feel the comfort knowing that will be fun. At Classic Chevrolet, we sell memory makers. Come get yours. ClassicChevrolet.com The Dallas Safari Club Convention and Sporting Expo makes possible important work for wildlife and wild places all over the globe. Your ticket to the DSC Convention will ensure that future generations understand and enjoy the outdoors and that you will continue to enjoy hunting, fishing, trapping, and shooting. I'm Corey Mason with DSC inviting you to Dallas January 5th through the 8th. Details are at biggame.org. We smell like fish, and that's a good thing. The smelly elf is right. Hey, have you entered our Fishing You a Merry Christmas contest at Kinder Outdoors yet? We'll announce a winner just in time for Santa's big ride. But now is the time to get your name in the creel for that big drawing. You and two guests at Cut the Cab Sea Five Nights and catching sailfish marlin in Mahi with the Cab Sea Sport Fishing Fleet in the Caribbean. Sure beats the North Pole. Enter now at KinderOutdoors.com. Winter at the lake is a wonderful thing. The still, quiet solace of the woods and water at Grapevine Lake offer the perfect opportunity to slow the season down a bit. Tucked away behind a secure gated entry and snuggled on the still shore of Grapevine Lake is the national award-winning Vineyards Campground and Cabins. Full hookups, lightning-fast Wi-Fi, and cable TV at every campsite and cabin keep you connected, even when you're getting away. The Vineyard sites and fully furnished cabins are the perfect place to kick off the new year and enjoy the great outdoors. Our unique location makes you feel far away from the hustle and bustle when you're just a few blocks from historic downtown Grapevine, the Christmas capital of Texas, offering shops, restaurants, and all the sights and sounds of the season. Cozy cabins, spacious pull-through sites, and a camp store on site to provide whatever you need. Always keeping your health and safety a priority. Come enjoy nature's original way to social distance. Come see us this winter. The Vineyards Campground and Cabins. VineyardsCampground.com Ag Texas. The name itself says trust, honesty, strength, and tradition. Ag Texas has from the get-go been dedicated to the prosperity of agriculture and rural America. The Ag Texas family can help grow your herd or your operation. Give us a call and talk to Ag Texas pros about risk management in the form of crop insurance, protecting borrowed capital and savings. We specialize in everything from dairy cows to pecan trees and have the right financial tools and knowledge at Ag Texas to help you grow and grow safely. We can't tell you when it's going to rain again, but we can assure that your crop 
your cows, your family, and the family land are secure and protected no matter the storm or the dry spell. We are agriculture at Ag Texas, and we look forward to visiting with you. Ag Texas is at agtexas.com and just down the road. For the land of the free and the home of the brave. From high school gyms to towering stadiums, every time I see our flag wave, I feel a humbling reminder of the brave who keep and have kept us free. I stand to honor the sacrifices of the generations before me. Heroes who charged into battle through bombs and bullets, who lost their brothers and still pushed through, fighting for every inch of our freedom. I stand for my brothers who can't stand anymore. Men who hunted terrorists to the ends of the earth, who sacrificed their bodies and their lives so that we could peacefully live ours. I stand for the children, the spouses, and parents whose family made the ultimate sacrifice for us. We are all standing. We're the National Rifle Association of America, and we are freedom's safest place. can't buy happiness, but it can put your brand new bass boat within casting distance of it. Glad you're in the camp with us this week at Kinder Outdoors. At the vineyards, campground and cabins, brought to you by my friends at Joshua Creek Ranch, Bernie, Texas, just northwest of San Antonio. They sell memberships now, corporate, family, individual. Might make it a lot easier for you to visit the ranch more often. Check into it. When you learn more about Joshua Creek Ranch at KinderOutdoors.com. Kip Adams is the Chief Conservation Officer with the National Deer Association. Welcome to the show, Kip. And right off the bat, tell us who is the National Deer Association? Actually, it's a, it's a brand new organization that, that combines the efforts of a couple of longstanding organizations, Billy. Uh, QDMA, or the Quality Deer Management Association, that's been around since 1988. I was been with QDMA for over 18 years, and we actually merged with the National Deer Alliance uh, this past fall. And uh, what it allowed us to do is continue all the great work that, that QDMA has done um, and combine it with the strengths, particularly the advocacy strengths that come over from the, the alliance side and, uh, and make us uh, an even leaner and, uh, and stronger organization for, for deer hunters and deer managers. So, uh for those of that see our logo and think, man, I think I recognize that. that, that's because it's the exact same logo that the QDMA's had uh, for over 30 years. But uh, combined strengths are a little better for hunters out there. Yeah, very good. And and how do you use that strength? I, I heard you say that you represent me in front of our legislators. I like that, your advocacy. Absolutely. And uh, we have uh, we fight for, for deer hunters' behalf to make sure that we have healthy populations of deer that, that we can hunt, uh, that we have the ability to, to go afield and hunt those. Uh, we're a science-based organization, so uh, we specialize in, in education. So we can teach people about deer and deer biology and, you know, deer movement patterns, uh, how to enhance habitat for deer. So uh, ultimately, we just want to ensure, you know, a future of, of wild deer and our wildlife habitat and hunting. So uh, we're hunters, and uh, we want to make sure that uh, the hunters are first and foremost out there with regard to, to help and manage our, our whitetail populations. The name is 
the National Deer Association, not the National Whitetail Association. So I'm guessing you guys do research and habitat help and uh, stuff for the mule deer and the coos deer and, and for all of the above. That's right, and uh, and that was a big change, you know, when we merged with the the alliance, you know, going from just whitetails to incorporating mule deer and those other subspecies, and and we uh, we recognize that there's certainly other groups out there that work directly with mule deer. However, uh, we can help a bunch from the legislative side and the advocacy side uh, for, for for mule deer, uh, blacktails, you know, cows deer. Uh, key deer, uh, et cetera. So it, uh, we've expanded our focus. Uh, you know, we're still at the, at the core, you know, a whitetail organization. We spend a bunch of our time on that, but we have expanded the work that we do to help those other species as well. Because, uh, you know, if you're a deer hunter, particularly if you're in the, the Midwest or the western part of the country, you know, you, you may spend a bunch of time hunting mule deer as well. And uh, those need deer and those hunters uh, need to be spoken for too. So uh, I, I'm pretty excited that we've expanded that focus to include them. You bet. Hey, let's talk a little bit about the National Deer Association Deer Report for 2021. Uh, this is really exciting news uh, when it comes to uh, how we harvest our deer, what we what we uh, put in our our freezers and and uh, and harvest out in the field, because we're doing a better job of letting our bucks get a little older now as hunters nationwide. We're more educated, Kip and. And your results in your in your study uh, res- reflect that. Absolutely, you know we have been monitoring the age structure of, of the buck harvest for a long time, and it is amazing how differently it is today from a decade or, or more ago. Uh, more hunters today pass younger bucks than ever before, and you know historically there was places like South Texas where you could see older bucks, but, man, if you weren't from that part of the world, uh, there wasn't a lot of hunters that got the opportunity to, to see or, or chase older bucks. And uh, that's very different today. We're, we're harvesting a more uh, mature bucks today than, than ever before, and uh, hunters are really reaping the benefits of some pretty cool deer programs. Uh, deer hunting, whitetail, is the king uh, in North America. And during this past hunting season that we've just wrapped up or wrapping up, uh, nearly three million bucks uh, taken uh, uh, during during the hunting season. That's bucks alone, uh, which says something to the management of our whitetail herd across America. There's a lot of deer running around. That is for sure. Uh, we have growing deer herds in many states. Um, some places that's really good. In some places, we see some state wildlife agencies that want to to cut that growth a little bit. But uh, but that growing buck harvest is, is a sure sign that, yeah, there's a lot of, of strong, healthy deer populations out there and, in many cases, on the rise. If people want to learn more about the National Deer Association, uh, your website is just awesome, by the way, for uh, the, the novice, the beginner, the guy that wants to get started or gal, uh, and the experienced hunter. You guys have done a great job with your website. Oh, thank you very much. Uh, you know, it's our goal to provide that, that type of information that the hunters are looking for, whether they're brand new or, or very experienced. So uh, the idea is, you know, share this information with them so, uh, you know, it can help them be more successful during the hunting season and uh, be a little better steward of our natural resources. Yeah, DeerAssociation.com is the website, and uh, I've got a link at KinderOutdoors.com. Interesting to me, Kip, how people, uh, how we take our deer, 64%, no surprise, of the 2019-2020 season uh, killed their deer with a uh, with a firearm. Uh, 25% uh, bow hunters, that number's coming on, on up and has been a good number over the past several years. And 10% with a uh, muzzleloader, but it's New Jersey 
that leads the pack in the deer harvest with uh, with archery equip, equipment. 63%, a huge number up there. And I guess we all get caught in our own little ruts and and what we do, and we assume that everyone is like us. And that's just not the case. We're a diverse group. That's for sure. And uh, and you hit on that about that growing number of, of archers out there with that bow hunter harvest increasing. Uh, you know, 15 years ago, that percentage was only about 15%. And uh, so slowly but surely, we're, we're taking more deer with, with the archery equipment during the year. And uh, in large part, you know, it's many of the same hunters, Billy, that they used to shoot them with a rifle or a shotgun. They've, uh, you know, taken advantage of expanded archery opportunities and, in many cases, better uh, weather and uh, shooting some of those deer a little earlier in the hunting season. Yep, there you go. And the good news about the National Deer Association is that you represent all of us, whether we take them with a bow, a muzzleloader, a rifle, uh, whether we hunt uh, mule deer out west or whitetails in Pennsylvania. Uh, you guys represent us all, but uh, the National Deer Association is a nonprofit conservation group. That means you rely on us, the deer hunter, to keep you going. How can we help? Oh, absolutely. Uh, we're a member-based organization. Uh, we have members all across the United States and Canada and several foreign countries, so uh, uh, you can certainly help us uh, by, by joining uh, Fewer deer hunters belong to an organization like ours than any other species. Uh, a lot more people uh, who are turkey hunters, you know, join a turkey group or duck hunters uh, join a duck. So uh, you're right. We we speak for hunters, and uh, we don't want to see us divided anymore, whether they, you, know, you pursue, or pursue deer with a bow or muzzleloader or whatever. So uh, we try to stay out of the what you should shoot them with and stick more into the, hey, let's just make sure we have healthy deer and good opportunities. So uh, we, we say all deer hunters uh, ought to belong because uh, we, we fight for them and we have lots of stuff to offer for them. Hey, Kip, before we go, tell me one good deer hunting story. Did you have a good fall? Man, I sure did. Uh, I'm very lucky. Uh, I have two young kids who are just ate up with deer hunting and uh, some nephews that like it. And uh, this past year, I had a great opportunity to, to mentor my kids and my nephews and, and some other hunters. So uh, I uh, I think I love hunting more every year, Billy, than, than before. And uh, taking somebody new uh, each year uh, just makes it that much more exciting. So uh, I got to see a bunch of deer fall and a bunch of deer uh, get processed, uh, teach people how to do that as well, and then ultimately share that venison with some needy families. So uh, my family eats a lot of it, but uh, but we share some as well. So uh, I'm, a, I'm a very lucky man to get to experience uh, each part of that during the deer season. Hey, Kip, it's a pleasure to talk to you, and uh, we'll be talking again soon, I'm sure. Thank you much, Billy. You have a great day. Brought to you by Joshua Creek Ranch, five-star bird hunting, upland bird hunting. Amongst the best on planet Earth, says Beretta and Orvis and the shooting sportsman. Book a hunt. Learn more about them at kinderoutdoors.com. This is Eddie Salter. And when I'm not in the great outdoors, I'm thinking about it with Kinder Outdoors. Quail Coalition, the backbone for the important work and research that brings brighter days for our quails and the people that love them. With 12 chapters throughout Texas, there's ample opportunity for you to join the celebration. The money raised in our chapter banquets goes to various research projects conducted by folks like the Rolling Plains Quail Research Ranch in West Texas, Caesar Kleberg Wildlife Research Institute in South Texas, and all that pursue productive science-based work that sustains and restores wild quail populations. If you've ever followed your trusted bird dog into a setting December sun, 
or listen from the porch to the summer song of the bobwhite, then you know just how special this bird is. Populations have declined drastically across the U.S., and the last stronghold is Texas. Come and join the Quail Coalition. Attend a banquet. Bid at an auction. Be important to quail. Quailcoalition.org. The True Life Taxidermy Studio in Granbury, Texas, has won Best Studio in the State of Texas time after time after time. Roy Holdridge and his True Life staff of artists take your memories to a higher level, a degree of professionalism and perfection that matches the memory of the hunt or that fishing trip. True Life can create and integrate lifelike landscape, multiple animals, fish, and fowl. International shipping and trophy care is turnkey when you turn it over to Roy Holdridge and True Life in Granbury, Texas. My home is a testament to the impeccable work of True Life Taxidermy. The ducks, pheasant, deer, and fish are realistic and they last. A special deer in memory on my wall dates back nearly 30 years and still looks fresh and new. Preserve that special memory this year with True Life Taxidermy. Visit the 1,800-square-foot trophy room and see Roy's talent on display. True Life Taxidermy is online at truelifetaxidermy.org. U.S. Highway 287 carries elk hunters and fly fishers, snow skiers and bird dog chasers, 72-ounce steak eaters, buried Cadillac picture takers, antelopers, prairie doggers, and rattlesnakers. The Herdware Store sits on Highway 287 near Goodnight, Texas. Now, only 18 people live around here, so to keep the lights turned on, we need you 287 travelers to stop by. Come in out of the weather and take a look at the most unique store between the Gulf and Pacific coasts. One-of-a-kind artwork, jewelry, knives, and more. Feel the luxurious softness and warmth of bison socks, gloves, hats, beanies, blankets, and scarves. You'll think it's cashmere, and it's warmer than wool. Our sister company, Buffalo Wool, produces the finest bison products on the planet. The Herdware Store is boots and shoes, bison blankets and throws, even bison meats for the road. The Herdware Store, 42 miles southeast of Amarillo. Hey, drop by right now at herdware.net. At the Outdoors Tomorrow Foundation, we're really happy to have more than 50,000 kids in school classrooms learning about archery, fishing, boating, and other outdoor skills each year. We're thrilled that we have grown to schools across the United States and continue to grow. We're humbled that teaching wildlife conservation to our future generations have been so eagerly accepted by more than a quarter million kids so far. We're happy, thrilled, and humbled, but we're not stopping. The Outdoor Adventures program in junior highs and high schools across America has proven to be a hit with kids, and in case after case, we've seen Outdoor Adventures' young lives changed. Kids that just were not in the school and not involved are now excited to get into the classroom each day because of outdoor adventures. The kids earn classroom credit by learning the outdoor basics and they smile while learning. If you want outdoor adventures in your local school, contact me, Scott McClure. I'm at GoOTF.com. That's Scott at GoOTF.com. I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands, one nation, under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all.
This is Kinder Outdoors. KinderOutdoors.com, K-I-N-D-E-R. That's where you go to register for our big fall contest, Fishing You a Merry Christmas. We're going to send you and two guests of your choice to Costa Rica, fishing with our friends at Carib Sea Sport Fishing. You're going to stay five nights oceanfront in Casa Carib Sea. You'll fish inshore, offshore, lots of giant sailfish, marlin. It's going to be an incredible trip, a splendid time, and all you have to do is register. You can do that at KinderOutdoors.com. Talking about white-tailed deer on the show today, Kinder Outdoors, from the Vineyards Campground and Cabins, Grapevine, Texas. And we're doing a lot of that with our buddy, Mr. Whitetail himself, Larry Wysoon. Depending upon where you are, it's either rut or pre-rut right now. That can be a magical time in the deer woods. Let's talk to Larry about it. Actually, a lot of times you see a lot of sign of whitetail deer, particularly in terms of scrapes. And if you're one of those that likes to hunt scrapes, that pre-rut period is the best time to do so because that's when those bucks are more actively working those scrapes than they are once that rut really gets going. I actually love the pre-rut or the tail end of the pre-rut for rattling because those bucks are anxious. They're really anxious. Their testosterone level is extremely high. They're looking for girlfriends or they're looking to prove themselves against the other bucks. So that's one of the reasons that they respond real well to antlers right before the rut starts. Now once that rut gets started, then it's a totally different game because the bucks are chasing all over the place and there you really want to hunt does. You want to hunt those sources to where you can find does where those bucks are coming in to check on the estrus cycle or the status of those does in that particular area. Now let's talk about uh, pre-rut rattling just a little bit. How do you like to do it, Larry? Do you hit and move, hit and move? Do you sit in one spot? How do you work it? I hunt according to the property that we have. There are some areas that are small where I can't get around a whole lot, so I'm going to stay in one spot, and I'm going to rattle about once an hour and then wait a little bit. Or Like I say, once an hour, it, my preference, however, if there's country to do so, is to rattle, stay there longer than I normally do, <laughs> which is not very long, pick up and move about four or 500 yards and rattle again. To me, that's a real fun way of doing it. But if you're hunting a small piece of property, just stay there and hit the horns together every once in a while. Buck may not have heard you the first time. He may have moved in. It also keeps your interest up and keeps you staying right there and makes that almost all-day hunting seem like it didn't take all day long. Time seems to really move a lot faster in that blind or, or uh, when you're camoed up and sitting out in the woods this time of year. It's a special time of year. Uh, got any particular uh, hunts you're looking forward to and where are you headed? We're going to be doing a little bit of hunting in Texas. I've got the pre-rut hunt set up in South Texas on a, on a place that has got some really nice deer. and Those deer there won't rut until about the middle of December, so it's maybe a little bit early to rattle, but still those bucks are going to be in the same patterns they pretty, mer- pretty much were during the late summertime, so hopefully we've patterned some of those bucks and we'll be able to find one then. Hey, this corner of the camp house at Kinder Outdoors at the Vineyards Campground and Cabins is brought to you by my friends at Joshua Creek Ranch in the Texas Hill Country. Yes, the bird hunting is five-star, endorsed by Orvis and the shooting sportsman and Beretta. But listen, it's a low-fence, free-range axis herd and one of the finest anywhere on earth at Joshua Creek. And not only will you get in world-class access deer hunting, but you're going to eat and sleep like a king. Five-star. Learn more about Joshua Creek Ranch when you come see me at kinderoutdoors.com. Hey, why does the rut start? What triggers that? Actually, it's range conditions seven and a half months later. (laughs) Really? Explain that one. The rut occurs so that the fawns are born at the most 
opportune time in terms of nutrition. Here in Texas, we have the rut that starts some places in, in August and runs into late January. And basically, it's it, it, it what, it's not necessarily what kicks it off, but it's what causes it. It's such that those does have a chance to eat and produce those fawns in the latter stage and provide milk for them at the best time. And what's interesting, too, a lot of people think, well, it's cold weather. It's not cold weather. I mean, the rut occurs whether or not it, it's uh, cold. It's actually the shortening of the daylight hours, which uh, uh, causes that through the pituitary uh, gland that sits underneath the brain. That I mean, that has a lot to do with it. To, to, but it all comes down to again a nutritional thing. It's axis deer. We have a lot of those in Texas. Axis deer pretty much breed throughout the year. They come from an area where it doesn't really make any difference when that fawn is born. One of the things that we've done with white-tailed deer that really has changed the the, the peak breeding date has not changed in the last 50 years. I mean, we looked at data, looking at all kinds of different things. The, the peak of the rut years ago when the nutrition was not available like it is available these days was a very few week, like two-week period that the rut had to occur so that those fawns could be born at the best time. Now with our greatly increased nutrition that we have through the management, habitat changes and all that, nutrition is there pretty much all during the spring, all during the summer. So there is no longer that necessity for those does to be bred in that two-week period. They can be bred over a six-, eight-, ten-week period. Wow, so you're telling me that we, by taking care of our deer, have actually modified the rut a little bit, or we can. We, we have, we have. Again, it comes down to the fact it has to do with the, those farms being born seven and a half months later. It's like years ago in South Texas and other areas where we had the screw worm. When we eradicated the screw worm, it, back then, if that fawn wasn't born in a two-week period, it's probably going to die because of screw worms. My word, learn something every day. Shortening of the days I had on my list, I thought, could that be it? it, it but you knew I didn't know. <laughs> but it is, you're right, it is a shortening of the days. But it has to do, again, so that those fawns are born at the most opportune time. Yeah, good Lord put a clock in there that's never wrong. He's, you're exactly right. <laughs> Kinder Outdoors at the Vineyards Campground. Talking about white-tailed deer as we kick off the general season in Texas. And, hey, it's talked about in more deer camps everywhere than any other topic. Not only whitetail hunting, but the rut. Well, one of the reasons the rut occurs when it does, where it does, is so that seven and a half months later, those fawns are born at the most opportune time. That's the reason sometimes in the same basic area, you'll have the bucks chasing like crazy on one side of the county and maybe not chasing quite as hard on the other side of the county. But to me, the rut is such that it's the most active time. The deer have a tendency to be a lot more active throughout the day. There, there are really only two reasons why big old mature bucks move, and that's one, to chase the does, the others to find a food source. Those two work together very well right now as we're hitting into the rut. And you want to find a spot where you've got a lot of does, where you've got a lot of does, and that doesn't mean an overpopulation of deer, but where there's maybe several does that you know of, try to hunt that area right there because those bucks are going to start checking on those, on those does. Now, the interesting thing about some of the big mature bucks is they don't really chase that hard. They produce just enough testosterone to get through the antler cycle. They come out and they're in great shape. Next year they've got a big set of antlers. Some of those bucks actually become more secretive and maybe even shrink their home range during that time frame. And Those kind of bucks sometimes can be hard to hunt. They can be fun to hunt. They can be hard to take. But when you do take one, it just means hunting smart and a lot of times it means hunting all day long. One of the things I've noticed over the years with bucks that we've dealt with, individual bucks that I knew something about, there was a tendency for those bucks, particularly when there was a full moon or no moon at all at night, for them to move pretty much between the hours of 10 o'clock and about 3 o'clock during the middle part of the day. 
And when the rut's going on, that's a great time to find those big mature bucks because I think they have learned to some extent, too, that how we hunt. We hunt early and we hunt late. A lot of times we're at camp watching football or something else during the middle part of the day, and that's when they move. I started to say between 10 and 3, a lot of times that's when that breakfast is getting served about 10 o'clock, and then everybody takes a nap, and then about 4 o'clock they yawn and stretch and head back out. Ought to be in that field. They really ought to. That's really the time when you see a lot of the mature bucks. If you looked at all the record books and all those kind of things, if that's of interest to you, you'd find out, and they told you exactly when those bucks were killed, that's when most of those really big, monstrous bucks were shot, is between the hours of 10 and about 3 o'clock in the afternoon. And, guys, if you're out there between 10 and 3 today, like Larry said, and it doesn't happen for you, be back out there tomorrow. Keep it up. Keep it up. I mean, that's consistency makes a difference, and so does persistence. Hey, Larry, uh, if if, uh, folks want to get in touch with you and, and learn more, what's your website? I've got a website, but probably the best thing to do is go to Facebook to Larry Wysoon or my fan page. My buddy Larry Wysoon. Hey, we're all out of time. Good luck. Send pictures for the bragging board, okay? Thanks for hanging out with us. I also want to thank my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, for the time we've had together. And I want to invite you back next time around. Till then, may God bless you and your bunch. (laughs) 